Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Tuesday, October 11th, and this is People Every Day. Well, hello again, listeners. It's me, Janine Rubenstein. Well, growing up in San Francisco, I was a huge fan of Full House. And later today, Uncle Jesse, a.k.a. John Stamos, is joining us to talk about the return of his heartwarming Disney Plus show. And there's no way we'd be able to do a show today without addressing all of the harmful statements Kanye has made in the last few days. A lot to get to, so let's jump right in. I am grateful to be alive. Part my story. Selena Gomez was diagnosed with lupus, depression, and anxiety. She had a mental breakdown. Let me make a promise. I am going to stop living like this. How do I learn how to breathe my own breath again? That right there was a clip from the upcoming documentary, Selena Gomez, My Mind and Me. In the upcoming Apple Plus doc, the 30-year-old pop star unpacks her triumphs and mental health struggles. Selena gets raw and real, and we see clips of the only murders in the building actress in different stages of her life, thanks to childhood home videos, clips of her on stage performances, and footage of her time in the hospital. At one point, teary-eyed and red-faced, Gomez cries to a friend and says, quote, my whole life since I was a kid, I've been working and I don't want to be like super famous, but I do know that if I'm here, I have to use that for good. She's been very open with the media and her fans about her bipolar disorder diagnosis and has embraced becoming a mental health advocate. So yesterday on World Mental Health Day, she made a post to Instagram to announce the full trailer dropping with the caption, Every Breath, A Breakthrough. In honor of World Mental Health Day, I wanted to share the trailer for my documentary, Selena Gomez, My Mind and Me, November 4th on Apple TV+. The doc looks to be equal parts stunning and emotional, and I will definitely be tuning in to watch. Beloved A League of Their Own actress Gina Davis is speaking out about Bill Murray's alleged bad behavior. This appears to be part of a long-standing pattern of behavior for the Caddyshack star. You may recall that several months ago, production halted, reportedly due to Murray's gruff and verbally abusive behavior on the set of the upcoming Aziz Ansari-directed film, Being Mortal. And then last year, Lucy Liu opened up about how Murray allegedly berated her while filming the Charlie's Angels film back in 2000. And in her upcoming memoir titled Dying of Politeness, a memoir, Davis recalls her experience with Murray, who she co-starred with in the film Quick Change. Davis recently shared with people that, quote, I've never spoken about it publicly. And in her book, Davis writes that she was introduced to the Ghostbusters actor in a hotel suite where Murray reportedly insisted on using a massage device on 
the actress. In the upcoming memoir, Davis states, I said no multiple times, but he wouldn't relent. I would have had to yell at him and cause a scene if I was to get him to give up, trying to force me to do it. The other men in the room did nothing to make it stop. I realized with profound sadness that I didn't have yet the ability to withstand this onslaught or to simply walk out. And she went on to say that Murray, quote, placed the thing on my back for a total of about two seconds. Later, when on the New York set of the film, Davis says Murray verbally berated her in front of the crew as she waited on a wardrobe adjustment and recalled, quote, there were easily more than 300 people there and Murray was still screaming at me for all to see and hear. The Beetlejuice actress shared she hasn't seen or spoken to Murray since wrapping the publicity tour of that film. A rep for Murray didn't immediately respond to people's requests for comment, but I'm sure we will hear what he has to say on the matter at some point. And, well, speaking of bad behavior, it's time to get into the hateful and harmful statements made by the rapper formerly known as Kanye West. And you guys, I'll I'll warn you, his comments are appalling. Kanye West is back in the news again. The controversial rapper who now goes by Ye posted anti-Semitic comments on social media over the weekend. His remarks have been condemned by multiple public figures like Diddy, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, John Legend, and Jamie Lee Curtis. So the American Jewish Committee called out Ye for perpetuating anti-Semitic tropes like greed and control. And this is coming from when the rapper shared a screenshot Friday of a conversation with Diddy, in which West seemingly claimed that Combs is being manipulated by Jewish people, an old anti-Semitic conspiracy theory, and declared, quote, no one can threaten or influence me. He also captioned the image, Jesus is a Jew. His comments didn't stop there. Ye also targeted Lizzo, and she clapped back. So this is just an upsetting story with so much to unpack. So joining me now to help do that is People's Executive Editor, Jeremy Helliger. Hey, Jeremy. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Janine. The backlash was swift for Kanye after he made those comments. It it first started on Instagram and then Twitter. Both social media platforms said that Ye violated their policies after he posted anti-Semitic content, right? Yeah. First, he goes on Instagram and he accuses P. Diddy of being manipulated by Jewish people. He gets kicked off Instagram. So then Kanye goes to Twitter And he writes this really weird cryptic message, DEPCON 3, to Jewish people. I don't even really know what that means, but it obviously can't mean anything good. So after tweeting that, he ends up getting locked out by Twitter for violating their policies. Is there any kind of thought as to where this is coming from? Kanye is someone who likes to push people's buttons. And he always talks about how he manages himself and he's the boss of himself and no one tells him what to do. So I think that in his mind, he can make the most outrageous comments and justify it by saying, well, I'm thinking for myself. But the interesting thing about some of his recent comments, like him wearing a T-shirt that says White Lives Matter, is that on one hand, you have Kanye accusing Gigi Hadid of being a Karen. And then Mm -hmm. at the same time, he's wearing a T-shirt that says White Lives Matters. 
So he has all of these conflicting messages and you yeah. don't really know which one to believe. Seriously, a lot of people are making note that he's kicked off of Instagram and Twitter now, but he's said some really damaging stuff about the Black community, of which, yes, he is a part, but he, he said a lot of vitriol in the past that hasn't had as swift a consequences. But as you said, he likes ruffling those feathers. And, and one person that he took aim at is Lizzo and her weight when he appeared on Tucker Carlson. On Instagram, they attack her for losing weight because the media wants to put out a perception that being overweight is the new goal when it's actually unhealthy. Yes. Let's get aside the fact of whether it's fashion and vogue, which it's not, Let's, let's just, or if someone thinks it's attractive, to each his own. It's actually clinically unhealthy. And for people to, to promote that, it's demonic. So tell us how she responded and just why we love her so much in this moment. I absolutely adore the way Lizzo responded because she said, I feel like everybody in America got my mother effing name and their mother effing mouth for no mother effing reason. I'm minding my fat, black, beautiful business. I love how Lizzo always has to remind you that she is black and beautiful. <laughs> and she is a queen for the way that she handles all of these things. But one thing that is not being discussed as much as it has been in the past is Kanye's mental health. And I, I, I want to get your take on this because on the one hand, yes, we know he struggles with bipolar disorder. That is all well documented. But there's also that feeling, that sentiment out there. That's not an excuse for horrific and mean behavior. A lot of people struggle with mental illness. Exactly. And I absolutely agree. I don't think it's an excuse I don't know if he actually believes any of this stuff or if he's just trying to get a rise out of people and trying to keep his name in the news. So I think we have to be careful, of course, how we discuss mental health. We can't ignore that aspect, but at the same time, I think we have to call out bad speech and bad behavior when it happens. Absolutely. Let's talk about the personal right now. This is also... A guy who has four kids, it just begs the question of what this does to his family life. Of course, Kim Kardashian has been very quiet on all of this for a while now. What do we know about how this latest situation is playing out behind the scenes with his family, with his children? Well, I think the interesting thing about Kim and the way that she raises the kids is that She's always very supportive. She wants the children to have a good relationship with Kanye. She never badmouths him publicly. And I think that's because down the road, she probably doesn't want her kids to read about their mother having said bad, bad things in the past about their father. Some might say that she's maybe too respectful. Mm. From all of the evidence that I've seen, it's someone putting her kids first and really wanting her kids to have a positive relationship with their father, even when their father comes out and says and does really outrageous things. Wow. Well, it's an upsetting, developing story. There is no room in this world for anti-Semitism and fat shaming and racism and, and hatred, no matter what you struggle with. 
But Jeremy, thank you for, for coming on. You're very welcome. And I agree completely. Coming up, he's a familiar face that's been coming into your home for decades. You know him best from his time as Uncle Jesse on the classic family sitcom, Full House. And many might recognize him as Dr. Tony Gates on ER. But you comedy lovers might like to recall his role in one of the most quoted scenes in the movie, Step Brothers. If you were a chick, who's the one guy you would sleep with? John John Samos. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. That's right. We are going to be joined by John Stamos to talk about season two of his hit Disney Plus show, Big Shot, which is available to stream starting today. But before that, on the most recent episode of Archetypes, Meghan Markle gets candid about how Harry helped her at her worst point. On the other side of the break, we'll hear what the Duchess recently revealed about her mental health journey. We'll be right back. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back, and we thought we'd bring you a mini Royals roundup as we check in on the latest the Windsors are up to. First up, King Charles's official coronation ceremony is set. It's been announced that the major royal event will take place on Saturday, May 6, 2023, which royal watchers have noted also happens to be Charles's grandson, Archie's fourth birthday. Interesting. Now, will the Sussex crew be in attendance? Not clear, but... I'll just say, if they did, it'd be a shocker to me. Now, the Duke of Sussex connected with winners of this year's Well Child Awards in a heartfelt video call yesterday. Harry and Meghan were unable to attend the flagship event for the UK charity that works to support seriously ill children due to the Queen's death. So in lieu of being there in person, Harry spoke with four-year-old Henry Waynes and his parents, Siobhan and Ben. Little Henry is a lot like the rest of us and wanted to know the latest updates on the royal family, starting with the littlest ones. He asked how... Archie and Lilibet are doing. Harry loved it and warmly replied, Archie is very, very busy and Lily is learning to use her voice, which is great. (laughs) And speaking of Lily using her voice, we know where she gets it from, right? This week, her mother did just that on the latest episode of Archetypes titled The Decoding of Crazy. Meghan Markle welcomed a few guests for this one. Crazy Rich Asians and Hustlers actress Constance Wu, comedian and writer Jenny Slate, an activist and Bollywood star Deepika Padukone. Throughout the episode, the women shared their struggles and prioritizing their mental health. The Duchess shared how it was Harry who helped her when she was at her worst point and recalled her experience reaching out for help. You know, my husband had found a referral for me to call and I called this woman. She didn't know I was even calling her. What? (laughs) And she was 
checking out at the grocery store. I could hear the little beep, beep of their doing. And I was like, hi, and I'm introducing myself. And like, you could literally hear her going, wait, sorry, I'm just, who is this? Um, and saying, I need help. And she could hear the dire state that I was in. Earlier in the episode, Constance Wu talked about her recent social media post where she shared she had attempted suicide. Wu spoke candidly about how her family responded. And my mom, she called me and she was like, okay, well, think about your daughter now that you put this statement out. Is this something that you want her knowing that you did? Like, you're a public figure now. You shouldn't let these things out. And it's funny because I could see her point, but I said, you know what, mom? I do want her to know that. I do want her to know that everybody, including her mom, goes through a hard time. And when you go through those hard times, people will help you and you can find help and you can get better. I mean, wow. Each week, it seems like Megan's episodes get deeper and deeper and more thoughtful. This one is one that's definitely worth a listen if you haven't yet. I do think it's important for these people in the spotlight, you know, who look like they have this flawless life to share their struggles and encourage everyone to seek help. And remember, if you or someone you know is considering suicide, please contact the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by dialing 988 or text STRENGTH to the crisis text line at 741-741. Well, we certainly have a treat for you today. If you have not already streamed season one of Big Shot on Disney+, Plus, then you better get to it and fast because tomorrow, season two is dropping to continue the story of the Westbrook Sirens basketball team. We watched as coach Marvin Korn, played by none other than John Stamos, was given a chance at redemption after being ousted from the NCAA. Now he's got a coaching position at an elite private school and is learning that coaching an all-girl teenage team requires more vulnerability than he ever thought. This season, there will be friction amongst the teammates and they'll, you know, deal with the repercussions of their assistant coach now working with their rivals. And of course, there is only one person that will be able to help them sort through it all, Coach Marvin Korn. Well, joining me now to talk yeah. about the new season is John Stamos himself. Hi. John, welcome to the show. That was a beautiful read. That was, I don't think I need to talk. You, you said it all. <laughs> Well, there is nothing that makes me smile more than seeing you playing a character we all love. How is Coach Marvin different from the roles you played before and what drew you to him? He's older. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was afraid of this role and that's what you kind of look for. I'm just naturally a terrible athlete. People think I'm coordinated, but I'm not really. <laughs> so it was it was a challenge. And I'm not even kidding when I say this. It was easier to be a doctor on ER than to be a coach. It just, I just, it's not in my DNA. So I studied as much as I could and I met Jerry West, who was a famous basketball guy. Nice. I went down to visit. I said, Mr. West, I said, let me say thank you for allowing me to come to the rehearsal today. And he said, first of all, it's not rehearsal. It's called practice. Those aren't costumes. They're <laughs> You know, he kind of schooled <laughs> me quickly. But I knew that I had to be a good coach to make this thing work. For sure. And Yvette Nicole Brown plays Sherilyn Thomas, the principal of the school. And I have to imagine that there is no shortage of outtakes between <laughs> you two. So can you share with us the behind the scenes story and what filming is like with her? She's a blast. She is, you know, everything that you'd want her to be. She's effervescent. She's bubbly. She's funny. We have a great time. And then the girls are just this, you know, crazy fun thing that's going all around it, you know. And then my daughter's boom, and she's so solid, uh, Sophia. 
I'm really proud of the show. I really look forward to go to work. I love the dynamic. It, to watch these girls come on a set, it's, it just reminds me of how I was 47 years ago. They're fearless, right? And they're, they're, they have energy and they're, they're optimistic for the most part. And so that's, it's a great thing to be around. I love the character because he can be, the way they've set the show up is that, you know, Marvin could be a real jackass. And we need to see a good, a jackass get knocked down a few pegs, you know? Mm, and, yeah. and, you know, this show is, is 98% female, diverse female. It's about female empowerment and female forward stories. And then they go, no, man, this is what you, you can't say that to me. You can't talk to me that way. It's a show that needs to be out there. It's, this is a turbulent time and people yeah. want safety. They want comfort food. They want a home cooked meal. Yeah. And that's what my face is. No, but that's what I think you get with this because <laughs> it's Disney. The themes are right. I've been coming into people's homes for many, many years and they trust me to take them on a safe, fun journey that yeah. hopefully they'll come out better. I love that you just made yourself the human equivalent of a home-cooked meal. I've never I done that before, this. but I don't know what I would be. I was thinking, <laughs> would I be like a baked potato? What, what would you think? A much sexier food. You would not be a side piece. What's a sexy... Like <laughs> you a would be like, a, like, I mean, a filet mignon, like okay. something you can dig your teeth into. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> you have a, a four-year-old son, Billy, and you were not shy about the emotion you had on his first day of school this year. Cool. Do you see yourself being that dad, kind of just coaching along on the sidelines? He's good at throwing, can't catch very well. That's where he that's, gets that from me. I cry almost every day. And I like this in Marvin too, that he's not afraid to sort of be vulnerable. And I have to be vulnerable as an actor to play him a lot of the time. Yeah. Because A, you know, he's being bossed around by all these women. And, and two, he has to really look at himself. You know, with Billy, I, I cry all of the time. Anytime, most of the time when I talk about him, I'm trying not to today. And then also, oh. you know, uh, one of the things I want to talk about in the show is that you know, Bob Saget passed away, my, one of my best friends. He, he was bigger than life, and he left an indelible impression on this world that he didn't know he left. He was so insecure. He didn't know how loved he was. And the tsunami of love that came for him, it was beautiful but heartbreaking because he wasn't there to receive it. Yeah. So I, I pitched the story to the writers about Marvin losing a close friend and a mentor and a coach in this case. And yeah. he dies and he, all this love comes up. And then all of a sudden Marvin goes, what's my legacy? What am I leaving behind? Did I do enough in this world? Was I good enough? And you question all those things. And, and in the show at the graduation, which is the last episode, he gets to hear it in person while he's still alive. And I think that was special. And his daughter is really his legacy. And, and once he realizes that, then it's then it's okay. You <laughs> stole my, my next question. I was going to ask you like some of the lessons you've gleaned that you've taken into real life, but there you go. So now I'm just going to ask you, what are you doing when you're not filming and you're not delving into Coach Corn? What is a day at rest like for John Stamos? Oh, probably I'll be on tour playing music. Is I, that rest though? It feeds my soul. And no. if I can have my family with me, that makes it even better. With the show, it's really shown me, I was always the youngest guy on the set. Now I'm the oldest, right? So people are coming to me for guidance or help or encouragement. That's what I got from my mom. You'd walk away from my mother and you'd feel you'd feel much better than when you first walked up to her. She had uh. enough love to fuel a small country and she would just, and I'd, I would say, mom, stop it with the, just leave this person a waiter. She'd be my babbling. And then now, now that's me. Wait, oh, you're a handsome kid. You Good luck to you, but you know. It's about that, I guess. Where are you from originally? I'm from San Francisco. Same with Uncle Jesse. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I grew up a few streets down from that opening shot. Yeah, in the Fillmore District. Yep. Three men raising three girls <laughs> in San Francisco. Oh, wow. Loved it. Grew up watching it. And Thank you. All of that just kind of touched me from a very young age. So this is an honor to get to talk to you about your new show that's touching so many other people. John, thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure. This is really nice and very fun. And I wish you all the best. All right. If there's one thing I learned, it's that finding a really great lifelong friend can be extremely rare, which is why I am so thankful for the great people I've met in life. Of course, like my best friend, Autumn, I am still recovering from all the fun we just had this past weekend in Vegas. But you could say finding a truly great friend is kind of like catching lightning in a bottle or maybe in a flux capacitor. But the only power source capable of generating 1.21 gigawatts of electricity is a bolt of lightning. What did you say? A bolt of lightning. Unfortunately, you never know when or where it's ever going to strike. We do now. Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox, who formed the iconic duo Doc and Marty in the beloved Back to the Future trilogy, took the stage together at New York Comic Con this weekend, 37 years after the first film hit theaters. The two friends quickly fell into a rhythm as they reminisced about their time working together. Some of you may not know this, but Fox wasn't the original choice to play Marty McFly. About six weeks into shooting, Fox was brought in to replace Eric Stoltz, and Lloyd talked about what it was like hearing the news after a long day of shooting. Quote, I felt that I barely made it through the first six weeks and now I was going to have to do it again. There was immediate chemistry, as they say. (laughs) The former Family Ties star gushed about working with his good friend over the course of the three films and said when it came to acting alongside Lloyd's Doc Brown, all I had to do was react. Just take it in and let it wash over me. I thought he was brilliant. And Fox followed up with, It was a thrill. Anytime I got to work with him, I knew it was going to be a good day. Now, as you may recall, Back to the Future 2, which was set in 2015, made some pretty spot-on predictions about the year 2015, including uh, celebrity holograms, hoverboards, a widespread use of electronic money, and it was only one-off on predicting the Cubs finally winning the World Series. But I'm still wondering and waiting, actually, about those up-to-the-second weather forecasts and flying cars. Come on, guys. It was so great to see Doc and Marty back together on stage once again. And hopefully Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox have a long road ahead together in their friendship. But then again, I do know their stance on roads. Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going. We don't need roads. Well, that is our show. Thanks, as always, for letting me be a part of your day. We'll do it all again tomorrow on a brand new episode of People Every Day.